Thank you for listening to Abide Church. At Abide, you belong before you believe. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our guest speaker. Let's sing together. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Lord, we just, I just pray, Lord, that nothing that, that I would say today would be of myself. Oh, man. But that you would, um, just like you told me that you would, that you had, you, you had a word here for somebody in this church today. Lord, I pray that you would speak uh, through my lips. And, um, and that, like, your will would be done um, in this service today. And I give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. You know, Pastor Gio and Pastor Destiny, let me, let me tell you something in a moment. I didn't know how I was going to say this because I was, I don't know. Sometimes I like to ramble. But I just want to tell you something about your pastors. I've known him since 2008. And he was a rough individual. Like, you would, I would be compared, I would look like, like a good person compared to him when I first met him. I'm just... <laughs> And here's the crazy thing. We see, like, the church is growing. It, you know, there are people here, and we're actually ministering um, outside of the full walls, and all these things are happening. And, and when I say I watched them fully give themselves over the years, it wasn't to these ministries. He wasn't fully giving himself to, like, the ministry. I watched him fully give himself to Jesus. And then the product of, of that givenness, his, his fruit that he bore, it's this right here. And you guys changed my life, bro. You. I wouldn't be here today if these guys didn't love Jesus the way that they do. And so if you guys never do another thing, you never, never go to another country, and tomorrow you guys quit pastoring, never do this again in your life. You can know that you were used by Jesus to change mine. You guys are my heroes. I love you. All right. <laughs> oh, man. All right, I'm going to try and get through this. Uh, it's not going to be long. Um, I'm going to try not to be long because I do want to go back into worship whenever we're done. And we've been on this sermon series called Kingdom Culture. And over the last few weeks, Pastor Gio has been talking about like what this kingdom culture thing would look like if we walked it out in our everyday life and we started off in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. And it was this notion uh, in verse 10 where it says that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This idea that it is actually the purposes of God for the heavenly realm to break through and permeate into the, into the, into the physical realm. And so we know that Death came in through Adam, 
and dominion over the earth was given to Satan. And then Jesus came and he lived a holy and a blameless life. And then he died and then he rose again. And then we were given the keys to the kingdom and the Holy Spirit. Not just the, kings to the, the keys to the physical realm, but also the keys to the, to the supernatural realm, right? And because Holy Spirit is inside of us, we become conduits uh, of, the, of the heavenly realms for the breaking down of the works of Satan, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm just recapping over what Gio has talked about, you know, so that I could kind of figure out what I was going to say. And as I was reading this and writing this, I was thinking to myself, man, this has been like an oxymoron for me um, in, in my life because I've seen two different sides of the church growing up. Growing up, I was in a church that believed in no supernatural gifts, no tongues, no prophecy, no healing, no deliverance. It was for the early church, for them, and it's not for us, and it doesn't happen now, and you would get rebuked if you even thought of mentioning it. And then I would also, and then as I grew up and I got a little older, I went to church and I saw healings and I saw the spiritual gifts, I saw the tongues, I saw the prophecy, and I saw the miracles. And it was the response of the people where they were like, man, I can't believe that God did this. He actually did it. Holy moly. And I'm not saying that that's bad. Like, that's good. When God does a miracle, the only logical response to that miracle is to give him praise and to give him glory, right? Amen. But I believe that it is the purpose of God for heaven to permeate and break into the earthly realms. We are walking, living conduits of heaven on this earth. My Bible says that when uh, that Jesus told his disciples that these things I do, more you will do because you go to the Father. And sometimes when I look at the church, that's not what I see. It's almost like we don't expect him to do the miracle, but when he does the miracle, it's like, great, that's awesome, yes. And then as soon as another problem arises, we go back to not expecting him to do the miracle. But just as the same as it's normal for me to get up every morning, put my boots on, my pants on, my AT&T shirt, get in my car, and drive 45 miles to work. That's normal for my life. It should be normal for us to operate in the, holy, in, in, in the, in the heavenly things. Does that make sense? That should be something we should be doing every day. The time when we go to the grocery store and we see somebody who's sick, somebody's walking with a cane or somebody who looks down, it should be a normal, natural response to say, well, you know what? That's just not how heaven is. So that's just not how it can be here. And then we have to go. The response is that we have to go. I believe that we are conduits of the Holy Spirit and of heaven. Last week, we learned about in spite of the fact that there will be wars and rumors of wars and in spite of the fact that man's heart will become cold and like all these evil things Jesus prophesied in the Bible would happen before the end times, we, we talked about the fact that he is still raising up an army, right? That we are that army. This isn't something like 50, 150, 700 years from now, like we are a army. And he is raising up this army that will be lovers of him. Not only lovers of Jesus, right, but lovers of his sheep, of his people. And they would be bold. They would stand tall. They would not bow to the idols of today. And they would aggressively reach into the darkness and pull out those, those people who are lost and bring them into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Now, I've got, I've got to be honest with you guys. When he told me that he wanted me to speak, I was like, well, how am I going to sum this up? Man, his, he said everything so very perfectly. I don't know what to do. And so I kind of struggled, and I was like, oh, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? What am I going to do? 
Cuff, what are you going to write about? And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out anything. And about a week and a half ago, I was like, I'm going to call Gio. I'm going to tell him he picked the wrong guy. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, was, I had no clue what to talk about. And then finally I decided to ask the Lord. Isn't that crazy? Like, <laughs> like I, I'm not going to lie to you. I have a whole nother, uh, a whole nother set of notes where I was like profusely writing down scriptures trying to figure out what nothing was working. And then finally I asked the Lord. And it's crazy how sometimes we can go through like struggles and it doesn't have to be this type of thing. It'll be anything. And then we struggle, we strife, and we strategize and nothing happens. And then finally we ask the Lord. Like why, like, why don't we just ask the Lord first? You know what I mean? And so I asked the Lord, what do you want me to say to these people? Because I don't want anything to come out of my mouth that's, that, that's not what you have for them, right? And this is what he said. He said, I want you to tell them what I have been telling you. And like, that scared me. Because I was like, wait a minute. If you want me to tell them what you've been telling me, then that means that I have to be vulnerable. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, you can look at me and I love people. Like, I love to hang out with people. I don't like being alone. I love to be around people, but I am not good at opening myself up. And so my first response to the Lord telling me, you need to tell them what I told you was like, nope, let me go back and try to sum up this kingdom culture thing. <laughs> go back to my scriptures, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, I was like, I don't know if I can, I can't do it. Like, I just can't do it. And sometimes when I, when I get into this sort of stuff, I can get emotional and I don't want to be emotional. I don't want these people to see me up here crying, man. You know what I mean? I, you know, and finally the Lord said, your vulnerability is what's going to allow me to be able to touch somebody in, in, in this room and do not stand in the way of me trying to, to talk to one of my children. Like, are you going to stand in the way? Like, are you going to have that much pride? And I said, Lord, all right, I'll, uh, I hear you. I'm going to do it. And so we've been on this sermon series of kingdom culture, and all of these things are true. This is the condition of, of what a Christian should look like. We are the remnant. The end is coming. God's calling us to, to reach out in the dark places, and he is definitely calling us to stand out and be a shining bright light. We are walking conduits of the resources of heaven. These are all things that, that, that Christ has paid for when he, when he died on the cross. We're co-heirs with Christ. All of these things are 150% true. But what the Lord was saying to me is that there is a foundation that we have to build upon before we can even begin to walk in, in kingdom culture. And that is that we have to know, and we keep talking about this, man. It's the name of our church. We have to know how to abide in him. We have to know how to remain in him. And so I'm going to be vulnerable, and you guys are going to learn a little bit about me today. When I was two years old, I was taken from my biological family. They were heavily involved in drug use. And, uh, and I was put into a foster family, and that foster family was eventually the one who would, who would adopt me, but because of the uh, the situation at hand when I was a toddler, I didn't really talk, you know what I mean? Uh, I was really what you would call slow, and they thought that I was mentally challenged. And, uh, and, my, and my family, the family that took me in, they kind of helped me and raised me up. And by the time that I was five years old, I was talking like any other normal kid, right? Um, I started playing piano when I was seven or eight. Um, and I started singing when I was like nine or ten. And uh, I got saved when I was about 11 or 12. 
And I had two adopted brothers that lived with me. And we would travel to different churches. And we would do music. And we would do, uh, we would recite poems. And we would just do ministry with my, with my family. My parents had a lot of problems. But the one thing they did instill in us was the, was the need to be a part of the body, right? And that's what we did. And I can remember being a young age, and there would be people who would tell me, and I'm going somewhere, man, you are, you are talented. You're anointed, and you are called of God. God has a big calling on your life. And even when I was a teenager, I believed that God had a huge calling on my life. And so what I would try to do, and this became like the staple of my life, is I would try to figure out what the calling was, right? And... And this can, this can be applied to any situation. Mine is just, is just in the ministry because it's, it's important to me. I would try to figure out what my calling was. And so I would strategize and try to make stuff happen. And, you know, I got through all of my, of my high school years. And then there was a school that my mom wanted me to go to. And I didn't want to go to that school. But I'm strategizing because I figure if I can get into the school that, that if I can get into this school that I really like it, it's going to be the catalyst that's going to catapult me into the call that God has for my life. And so I take the money, the savings bonds that we had saved up for school, and I use it to pay for that college. I'm 18 years old. My mom finds out. My mom's a very stubborn woman, um, and she's old school. And she kicks me out the house, and she cancels my, my, uh, my uh, acceptance into the school. And I'm living in crack houses. And I'm like, God, but you said this. I've got to figure out how to get back to my calling. I've got to figure out how I'm going to make this happen. You've called me, I've got to find this catalyst that's going to put me there. And so after living in, in drug houses and things for, for a couple of years, I hear of this place called Master's Commission. This is where I met Gio and, and Destiny and Anthony. And so I say to myself, man, if I can get into Master's Commission, this will be the catalyst that will catapult me into my calling. Follow me, this story is going to end well. <laughs> I promise it's going to end well. And, uh, and, and, and so I go to Master's Commission, and when I get there, you know, everybody's telling me, you know, I get there within two months, I'm on the worship team in this big church, they don't even know me, you know what I'm saying, they just threw me on the stage, and I'm thinking to myself, this is it, I'm about to be, I'm about to do what God's called me to do, this is my calling. And then I make mistakes in Master's Commission in the school, and I get kicked out, Then I'm homeless. And then we moved to Maryland, not to go that far, but, and then we... I get restored in that same church. And I think to myself, man, I'm about to go back into my calling. I'm, I, God, we're, thank you. Come on, let's go. I'm ready to do it. Let me make this thing happen. And then we moved to Merritt Island, and we're with Destiny's parents. And, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I have to figure out what my calling is. Now I'm 26 years old. I'm 27 years old. And I'm still doing nothing. What, God, what do you want me to do? I'm just, I'm not doing anything. And then we move here. And last year, we went to this conference called Live to Love. Oh, Jesus. And I remember going to this conference, and dude, I was, I was man, I was beat down, because now I'm 30. All my entire life, I've been trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. What am I called to? Lord, where are you leading me to? And every time I would try to figure that out, it would fail. Every time that I would try to put myself in the position to find this catalyst that's going to catapult me into ministry, it would fail. And now I'm 30 years old, and I'm at this conference, and I'm like, Lord, I'm here, and I don't know what to do. I know you called me, but I, I can't seem to figure out what it is that I'm supposed to do. And I'm, I'm there, and I'm sitting on the floor, and I'm just like bawling my eyeballs out because it's, 
it's like there was this moment where like Jesus like took the scales off of my eyeballs. It was insane. And all of a sudden, I experienced like the genuine love of God. And he told me, I didn't call you to any of those things. Those are the fruit that you'll bear. I've called you to know me. How many people have a dream? That dream is your fruit. And we don't have to strive to figure out and stretch. And this is, what the, this is what we do. This is what we do. Okay, I need to figure out maybe if I go to this school, if I do this, if I talk to this people, if I bring in this speaker, if we do this thing and do this thing and do this thing, maybe I'll be in the fullness of what my ministry is and I'll be doing what God has called me to do when God has simply called us to know him. Yo, like to know him. In Psalms chapter 127, verse 1 through 3, you do not have to go there. It is written in my notes so that I wouldn't forget. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, check this out. So the Lord builds the house. Say it again. The Lord builds the house. house. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. It's not our job to build the kingdom. It's our job to abide in him. And the fruit that he bears in us builds the kingdom. Make sense? We're going we're gonna to get deeper into that here in a second. And then it goes on to say that it is vain for you to rise up early, sit up late, and to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. And so what that means is that in this life, we make it so complicated. We put so much in stock into this, I have to do this, and I have to do that, and I have to go here, and I have to go there. So many churches, and I, and I know this, it's not this church, but I know this because I've been in them, feel like they have to bring this speaker. They have to do this thing. They have to have this guy doing that in order for the presence of God to be there. And when I know for certain that it, this man is doing exactly what needs to be done, he loves Jesus. John chapter 15, verse, uh, verse 1. I'm sorry, verse 5. Uh, and, and we've said this, we've gone through these verses a, a bunch of times, but I have to go through it again because it's, it's so important and it's so amazing. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and, and, uh, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. And then in verse 16, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that that fruit should remain. That, or so that, Whatever you ask for, in my name, he may give to you. And so what we're seeing here and what I would postulate to you, and I don't like dealing in extremes, but this is literally how I feel right now. If I'm not abiding in Jesus, I can't do anything. Nothing that I do will succeed or last. If I'm not, if I'm not abiding in him. And so we see that, uh, that, that, that vine in, this, in these verses, that is Jesus. 
and we are the branch. And when we abide in him, we actually bear fruit. And so I brought a branch. Now, I need participation in this one. Don't laugh. Please don't laugh, okay? I want you to imagine that this is an apple branch, okay? And that I broke it off of an apple tree. Now, I want to, now together, together with you guys, what I want to do is make this branch bear fruit. I mean, <laughs> let's take this branch and fruit. What do I got to do? Do I got to stick it in dirt? Do I got to turn it sideways so I can lift it up? Come on, fruit bear. Come on, apples. We want to see you. Apples, 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 right? And I know that's funny. I know it's funny, but this is what we do. This is what we do. And I'm not taking anything away from the call of God in our lives, right? Because God does call us to do amazing and wonderful things. But when we get to the point where we're trying to bear fruit by just making it happen, we're striving and strategizing, this is how we do this, this is how we do that. It just doesn't work. It's impossible. Like you just, you, it, the fruit cannot be bared that way. Here's how it works. We abide in Jesus, and as we abide in Jesus, we are then positioned to be launched into our purpose, the fruits of our purpose. And here's the beautiful thing. I was reading, I was like, and like you ever read something, and then like you read it, and like it's, it's good, and then you go back and you read it again, it's like, oh, holy crap, there's, 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 there's more meaning here. So I said just a second ago that when we abide, we are then positioned in the, and we are then put in position to be able to bear fruit, or to produce the work, right? That 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 God has 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 birthed inside of us, right? It then goes on to say in verse sixteen, man, this is cool. Of course, we know he didn't he didn't we didn't choose him; he chose us, right? We know that, and that he appointed us to go and bear fruit through abiding, and that the fruit should remain. And we know that the type of fruit that comes from abiding in Jesus doesn't disappear, right? But then it says that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give you. And I believe that in the American church, while we don't see the miracles that we see, it's because we don't have a problem praying for the miracle, but we don't know the miracle giver. What this is literally saying is that if you abide in me, you will bear fruit, the work of the ministry. And abiding in me is the only way that you may get the Father to give you what you ask for. That's what it says. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, and that whatever, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. God, that's amazing to me. And I thought to myself, oh Lord, that I would be a person who would just know you. Man, bump all this other stuff, man. Who cares? I'm not, and I'm not being rude. I'm not being mean. I'm not saying I don't care about the work of the ministry, but I don't. <laughs> I don't care. I've been pining after titles for a decade. You know what I'm saying? Man, I just want to know him. And I don't, I'm not talking about the, like saying the words. I want to know him. Does that mean that I'm perfect? Nope. Does that mean that I don't make mistakes? Nope. 
But guess what? Because of the blood of Jesus, we don't have to worry about that anyway, right? He's the one who changes us. All we have to do is just know him and abide in him. There have been many revivals in history. We can talk about them. Where, where great and mighty things have happened. Where many people were brought to the Lord. And every single one of them were not because there was a man or a woman or a founder who worked really hard and strived to put the right people in place to make it happen. No, it was because there was a founder, a man or a woman, who was completely, fully given to Jesus. And the fruit of his abiding was the revival. And at the same time, many revivals have ended because the people who came after the man or woman who started it, instead of being connected to the vine, they were connected to the founder. This is me. I don't have a problem saying that. This is who I am. That's what I was. I won't say who I am. That's a lie. This is who I was. Before we move to, and I don't have a problem saying this now because I know that it's for somebody. Before we move to Lithia, Florida, I told my wife, and she could tell you, I'm not lying, I have to go to Lithia. And I, and I believe with my entire whole heart, don't hear me wrong with this, that it was God's plan for me to be here. I know that. But my, from my perspective and my thinking, whenever, whenever we were going to move here, I told, I told my wife, I have to come to Lithia because I have to get up under Pastor Gio. If I don't get up under Pastor Gio, I will never, I will never find my calling. That's just how I felt. I had made so many mistakes, and I had tried so many different ways to make things happen. I thought the only way that I would be able to do what God called me to do was to sit up under Geo. When the only thing he was asking me to do was to abide. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? It's crazy. And, but that's the, that's the state of the church that we live in. How many times, and I'm the please, don't, don't get me wrong on this, but how many times do we look at people like Upper Room or some of these other bigger churches, and we see the people we see the people who are who are who are they're they're reaching people for they're doing something. They're they're doing mighty works in the ministry, and we look at them and we say, Wow, how great they are. We gotta do what they're doing. We gotta we gotta find out how they're doing what they're doing so that we can emulate it instead of saying Jesus, that's to, instead of just abiding in Jesus. man, if I could just be like Moses. In Exodus chapter 33, I'm just going to have a couple more things and then I want to go back into worship before we, we leave. I know we have just a few more minutes left. But in Exodus chapter 33, Moses, this is at this point, uh, Jesus or, or God was literally saying, the promised land is ready for you. I will send out. Um, it's time to go. Let's go. Let's ride. And Moses was like, okay, let's do it. And then God said, I'm not going with you because if I go with you, the Israelites are stubborn. I might kill them. Like, seriously, that's what he said. And so now this promised land that was promised to, to, to basically Abraham, they are finally about to enter it. Moses is finally about to lead them into this place, right? And, but then God said he wouldn't go. And so what was Moses' response? I ain't going. And, 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 and he didn't care about the promised land. It wasn't worth going to the promised land. If God wasn't with him. And so today, again, I keep saying the same thing because it's just 
true. What is it? It doesn't have to be ministry. Is it finances? Is it trying to find a life partner, like a relationship? Is it your children? Is it your work? I mean, I don't know what it is. It could be anything. But this promise, this dream that you've been given, is definitely not worth trying to pursue this thing if Jesus isn't a part of it, if Jesus isn't the center of it. Solomon, wise and great king, prayed a prayer. Y'all know what that prayer was? It was for wisdom, to be able to rightly discern and guide his people. And God said that I like that prayer. That's a great prayer. And because you didn't pray for money and, and women and stuff like that, I'm going to give you everything. And it was a great prayer. I don't want to take anything away from that. Praying for wisdom is a greater prayer. It's a great prayer, but I believe there was a greater prayer. There was a man named David. And you know what his prayer was? Psalms 27.4. One thing I asked from the Lord. And this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. <laughs> Get this. And nothing more. He was the king of Israel. He had everything. He could have done and did whatever he wanted to do, but his one prayer was to know him and to dwell in his house and nothing else. And so what if we were a church that said, we don't we don't care about anything else. And I love this because I know this is Geo's heart. I know it. I know it. I know it. But what if we were a, a church that said, we don't care about anything else. We want to know him. Not just on Sunday morning when we do worship and things get emotional, but every single day of our lives. And I, I'll have the band come up because we're going to, we're going to, mm. I want, to, I want to propose something to you. And then I want to worship, and I want us to encounter the heart of Jesus together. And I don't want to just encounter the heart of Jesus just in, in, and have the person of Jesus visit the room just so that he can be in here today, and we can just go on back out to church and do whatever we want from there. Like, that's not what I want. But I want us to walk away with something today that's lasting. I want you guys to walk away knowing this, right? Your job, what the Lord wants from you. We spend so much time trying to figure out what is the call of God. Jesus, please tell me what is your will. I need to know what you want me to do. He wants you to know him. Let me just make that clear. Everything else is a byproduct of knowing him. So if you don't know what the will of God is for your life and you're trying to figure out, hey, God, what do you want me to do? Know this. He wants you to know him. Start there. But today I want to take a look and say, and this is what I did. This is what, this is what the Lord uh, showed me, and this is what I did. David said, one thing I ask from the Lord, the only thing do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to graze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple, to know him. And that's it. And if we could just close our eyes right now, and right now I don't want anybody to think about anything else. I just want us to look inward. If I were to ask you today, what is the prayer? What is the one thing that you've been asking the Lord for? What's been the one thing that you seek? For me? It's 
it's been finding out what God wanted me to do because I didn't want to not figure it out before I died. It's been figuring out how I was going to make money to take care of my family and strifing and strategizing. But I want you guys to look inside of yourself and ask that question to yourself and say, Lord, what, Lord, where am I at? Am I in you? Am I abiding in you? Because it is my hope for you today that you would know that, that, is, that it is Jesus' great desire to not have you run around the world and save people, although that's going to happen, and I believe it's great, but it is his desire for you to know him. Like, he is waiting. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man were to answer the door, I will come in and I will sup with him and he with me. I just want to go back into um, a time of worship and uh, maybe just 10, 15 minutes or whatever, you know, GOC's fit. But I just want us to spend some time with him, with Jesus, because the one thing that I've learned over the last year is that everything is nothing without him. And there's so much beauty there is so much beauty in knowing who he is. While I was striving and, 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 all that, and all of that stuff, trying to figure out what God wanted me to do, and I went to that conference, I saw something, and Jesus took the scales from my eyes, and what I saw was that when I was two years old and everybody thought that I was mentally challenged, he was there. And when I got kicked out of my house and I lived in the, in the, in the, in the drug house, he was there. He was, he was reaching for me. And when I went to master's commission, I got kicked out because I made mistakes. He was there. He was reaching out to me. And even today, in this very same room, today he is saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man would just answer the door, if any man would come and answer the door, I want to come in and I want to be with you. And so today we'll go back into worship and I'm sure Gio's going to come up. I'm going to hand it back to him, but I just want to take some time and just worship him. Is that okay? Lord, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing here today. And, 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 if, and if by chance we have taken anything else and elevated above you and made it more important than knowing who you are, Lord, we repent for that. And today, Lord, we just want to let you know that we want to make the main thing the main thing. love you, Jesus. Here's what I want to do. I feel like a word like that demands a response. It's not a, it's not a bad demand. You know what I mean? It, it, it means that when, when something, an invitation like that is given, our heart should want to respond to that. And so here's what I want to do. I want everybody to close their eyes for a moment. And I want to just ask you today, I asked our leadership this this week. I sat with them and I just asked every single one of them. I said, how's your heart? All 15 of them said, I, I, I'm like, how's your heart doing? Like, don't be so disconnected with the problems of life that you don't, you, you don't know how your heart is. Here's what I feel the Lord wants to do. He wants to do a reset and invite you in to just be with you. So if you're here today, you say, when he was speaking, 
there's, there was something pulling me and saying, I need that. Would you just raise your hand right now? I need a reset. Right now, all over the room. All over the room, I need a reset. Here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to put your hand over your heart. And we're gonna pray. And I need you to know that as you responded and you said yes to that, the Lord saw that and he honored it. And you don't have to live under the condemnation or shame of that. It's a new day. This is what it means to get saved, to repent, to move forward. It means my heart says I'm done with that and Lord, you renew my mind. So right now, God, I ask that you touch every single heart, every single mind, every person that responded, God. We speak wholeness over them right now in the name of Jesus. Wholeness over their minds, wholeness over their hearts, God. And we speak it's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day, all brokenness, all bitterness, all striving, all feelings of unworthiness, all feelings of being inadequate, they leave right now in the name of Jesus. Right now in the name of Jesus. You don't have to do anything to be loved by Him. You don't have to do anything to be loved by Him. Even right now I feel the Lord. You don't have to do anything to be loved by Him. Ah, who has to hear that? All you have to do is say yes and He will lead you. Thank you, Father. Can you just join us in worship? Yeah, come on. I would encourage you to change your position right now.